0: Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soschnick. On this weekly podcast, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest
1: players in the industry. On this week's show, we have Jordan Schlachter, president of Think450, the for-profit arm of the NBA Players Association. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. Joining us is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Eben Novi williams Let's start With the Masters and the Green Jacket, 27-year-old Patrick Reed captured his first major, winning the Masters, and that coveted Green Jacket when he sank a three-footer on 18. You heard it right here on Bloomberg Radio.
0: This par putt to win the Masters.
2: Takes one more look down the line. Ball on its way, and it's in. And Patrick Reed has won the 82nd Masters.
1: So will Reed be able to turn green into gold? Earlier this week, Reed paid a visit to Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York and talked about possible future deals with sponsors.
2: With being able to partner up with Nike, it allowed me to free up and and feel real comfortable with putting all these clothes in my bag. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's just all going to depend. Hopefully, and maybe if I do, it might be a
1: kind of split deal rather than just one. Mr. Reed's life has changed forever, gentlemen.
3: Yeah, the, the clip he's talking about, the fact that he doesn't have an equipment sponsor, which is pretty rare for someone uh, who wins the Masters. You know, usually it's a guy that has all of his clubs, driver through putter, are all made by Nike, are all made by Titleist, etc. Uh, Reed has a uh, ping driver, Titleist, and Callaway irons, an Odyssey putter. He uses a Titleist ball. He's kind of all over the place. Um, and as he says, his, his sponsorship apparel deal with Nike, uh, they pay him, he only wears Nike, and that's enabled him to have the freedom to mix and match his bags. As he said on Bloomberg TV, there's a chance that he may sign multiple equipment deals, you know, have two or three sponsors so that he can continue to mix and match what's in his bag. Uh, but I would imagine that just by virtue of wearing that green jacket, he's a bit more enticing to uh, to sponsors now than he was a month ago.
1: Some golf, you know, golf fans. Some of them are not really big fans. Bar, I I got to tell you, yeah. Let me chime
0: in here as sort of the person who doesn't follow golf. I followed a little bit more than I do NASCAR, so I feel as if now I can have an educated opinion (laughs) now that I heard all this. But the allegations in school. I mean, he transferred once. Like he he cheated on the course. That he stole, maybe stole items from his teammates. These are some red flags. He's he doesn't speak with his family. There's a lot going on here, and if you're about to shell out big money for this guy who is not well-liked on the tour, you got to wonder if maybe those dollars are in better place somewhere else. You could
3: also hear it in the crowd. The, the volume of cheers for him as a, the leader at the Masters was nowhere near the cheers you were hearing for guys lower down like Speeth, like Rory, like Fowler. It was clear that the diehard golf fans do not treat Patrick Reed the same way that they do some of these top guys.
1: All right, let's talk about the next topic. Now, Los Angeles billionaire Patrick Soon-Shiong is said to be near to a D.C. United deal. So this is a a big player involved in all of this. Let's talk about this in the soccer world.
0: Yeah, You always ask the question when we have soccer people on, is soccer going to become big? Is is it going (laughs) to make it? Let me tell you, Barr, once again, if, if it's in your little paperwork there, what's the valuation on D.C. United? What did he buy in at? What was it? I'll tell you, ready? $500 million. I mean, this is escalating quite quickly. And you can say the revenue right now does not justify these valuations in MLS, but this is a club that's building a new stadium, opens in July. It's part of a $350 million development. They're building a practice center that will include a lower-level team, this is a real estate play and as we discussed many times on this show sports teams are temples oftentimes for media and real estate and for a guy like patrick sunshine who just bought the l a times and san diego tribune and by the way he's a part owner of the l a lakers this is not a newbie to the world of sports business he sees value in this team in the nation's capital this bodes very well for mls
3: 10 years ago when Toronto joined MLS the expansion fee was I think it was $10 million Uh, this year or last year when LAFC joined it was $200 million I imagine that number if they continue to expand which I assume they will is going to continue going up the fact that they just sold the franchise and probably not one of the premier draws premier franchises in the league the fact that they just sold one with a valuation at $500 million is a huge massive yeah
0: they're like ranked 11th in the league in terms of value at least sort of the Forbes but yeah that's a lot of money for the new stadium team. will help for sure absolutely
1: i should add that soon chung it has a net worth of 8.2 billion dollars not bad and we move on yeah we move on to the next topic major league baseball's marlins are from miami but in court they are arguing that they are from the british virgin islands what is this all about I love this story. (laughs) I mean,
3: to catch up, people that haven't really been following, uh, Jeffrey Loria, who used to own the Marlins, uh, had a part of his contract that said that when he sold the profits, some of the profits would go back to Miami-Dade County. Uh, When he sold, he did not give any of those profits, claiming that he lost money overall, so was owed nothing to uh, to the county. And as a result, the county is also going after... Derek Jeter and his new ownership group saying that they are responsible if Loria won't pay, and uh, because Derek of Jeter. <laughs> because of some eh, clever bookmaking, there is a uh, there is a part of one of the companies that owns a piece of the Marlins. I just well, let me just in. I, in I, I just Virgin want to say Islands. you meant to say bookkeeping, bookkeeping not bookmaking. Not bookmaking. <laughs> that, sure. I just <laughs> I just want
0: to. I really felt somebody <laughs> needed to jump in there. That we're bookkeeping.
3: Uh, they are claiming that because one of those groups that owns a piece of the Marlins is based in British Virgin Islands, that this is not something that should happen in Florida court. It should happen in federal court. Uh, the judge, at least early on, having no part of this argument, uh, but it is something we see a lot in corporate America. Hasn't really dripped its way into the sports world too much. You can
0: see it in Miami. You know where you see this a lot? What industry? The cruise industry. All of the flags. Check out the flags under which these cruise ships fly under you will not find U.S. registration because they're easily sued. So, I mean, Carnival Cruise Lines, based in Miami, but you'll see flags on the ships based somewhere else.
1: And should add that Loria is saying that he claimed that he lost $140 million when he sold the team. Our thanks to Bloomberg sports reporter Eben williams Now let's get to this week's interview with Jordan Slachter, president of Think450 the for-profit arm of the NBA Players Association. Jordan is also a former Harvard basketball player and the first CMO in the history of the NBA Players
2: Association.
1: Always a pleasure when they come in studio. Jordan Schlachter, thank you for coming in and joining us.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You got it.
0: So the NBPA, for folks who maybe haven't been keeping up over the last couple of years, it's more than just the bargaining arm of the NBA Players Union. That's sort of the biggest high-profile thing that the union does. But you are for the head of the for-profit arm of the union. Tell us about the start of that arm. What
2: was the genesis? Well, the genesis of our company, which is called Think450, we're the innovation engine of the MBPA, and like you said, we're the for-profit arm of the MBPA, really comes around group licensing rights. And what group licensing rights are, every player in every league in the major sports here in the US and abroad too, signs group licensing agreements with their unions. And those group license agreements give the unions the right to market those rights collectively on products, on sponsorships. A really great example of that is When somebody makes jerseys with everybody's names on the back of them or when somebody makes a video game with everybody in them, those deals have to be done with the leagues to get the rights to the team marks and the league marks. But they also have to be done with the players' associations to get the rights to put the players' names, numbers, likenesses, and images on those.
0: Well, that's the way it has to work now because in the past, what the union – essentially did was rent those rights to the league. So it was one-stop shopping.
2: Exactly. So up until last year, when, when the new CBA started, up until that happened, we were the only union that did not manage those rights themselves. What so, took so long? Uh, It was just, you know, we had a a group licensing agreement with the MBA that was working for us on some fronts, and the MBPA wasn't staffed appropriately to manage that business. And my goal when I joined on board about four years ago was to set us up to take those rights back and manage the business ourselves, which is what we did effective with a new collective bargaining agreement, which was July 1st, 2017. I want to expand
1: more about what you were talking about. It's one thing to have marketing if you're the product, like the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to have marketing when you're part of the union, which that's got to be unique.
2: It is unique because you know the NBA game is a collection of both what happens on the court and what happens with the league as well as the players because the players are the most marketable asset of what they do. When you look at it collectively, there's a product that goes out there. And when you look at it individually, there are – two separate products that go out there. From a purely licensing point of view, you can buy a jersey that says, you can buy a t-shirt that says New York Knicks on it, which is purely a league marketing, a league product. Or you could have something that has one of our players on it. One of the unique things that we're positioning ourselves, which is a little different from what the other unions are doing too, is we're really capitalizing and benefiting from the fact that our players have so much influence off the court and outside of the lines of the game. The NBA does a fantastic job of marketing what happens during those 48 minutes of the game or the two-hour window that you're in the arena. But our players have so much influence in their communities, in their culture, in the way they produce content off the court as well, that that's something that we need to be able to capitalize on. Let's face
0: it, NBA players, they're naked out there. There's no helmets the crowd is right there it's a more intimate game no question. than football baseball hockey than anything else your guys are right there
2: your guys are right there and you know it's it's also the only sport when you're when you're watching a game if you happen to have really good seats you're sitting five feet away from them. You're, there's not a lot of fields separating them. So you really get to know their facial expressions. And because they're such social media icons, you get to know what they're thinking and and, and the kind of brands that they like to work with and the kind of brands that they have influence with. So it really is, we're, we're thrilled that we work with the NBA on the things that happen on the court, but we really, the, re, the onus for us taking back these rights was to make sure that we're also able to capitalize on everything else that happens with the players.
1: You're the first person to be in this position, you were the first person hired in 2015 to be in the marketing side of the of the of the union. You didn't have a roadmap. You this is you didn't have old Charlie saying, "Boy, I want to follow him, do this, whatever." You were it. Can you explain that experience?
2: Yeah. So um, the roadmap we had was that other unions have been doing this, but it's not the same roadmap that we want to follow because our players are uniquely different in many ways than the players in other sports. But the roadmap that we had to follow was, and this really comes from the leadership that was set by Michelle Roberts, who who, took over the union in in 2014, I think the year was, but who really joined the union in 2014 and really kind of revamped what we do, but it also comes from the leadership of the players. And my job and where I sit today is really under the direction of the players, because during my first couple years there, where we were trying to figure out whether or not we wanted to do this, it was based on conversations with our leadership and our players, And our players decidedly said to us, we want to be able to explore new opportunities that we weren't able to explore under the old group licensing agreement.
0: Well, let me just stop you there. Such as?
2: Such as creating our own content. We were were never able to commercialize the union or the union marks itself. So we could not have... Official partners of the Union. I feel like can,
0: humming in my head. Look for the Union label. I mean, it, but it's the logo. It's like look for the Union logo. This time. It's
2: the logo and what the logo represents, right. which is you know a brotherhood of 450 players. That's another thing that you know that's why we're called Think 450 because that's how we think about our business and that's how we want all of our potential partners to think about our business. I didn't put is,
0: that together. I really it, didn't.
2: There's 450 players in the NBA, and when we are going out there and talking to potential partners and thinking about the Things that we could create. We're not just thinking about the 10 best players in the league. We're thinking about all 450 of them, and they all have inherent value. And those values may be across a wide spectrum, but it's our job to be able to put together pieces of that to create a real viable offering.
0: We are chatting with Jordan Schlachter, the president of Think 450. Now we know what it means and the derivation of it, the innovation arm uh, of the NBPA. But this is a seismic shift, Jordan, and I'm sure. There had to be some trepidation among sponsors going, wait a minute, what do we do now? Who do we deal with? How is this going to work? How did you quell those fears?
2: it's really an education process and a lot of the sp- the sponsors and a lot of the partners are happen to be used to some of these uh, of the of the way they have to deal with it because that's the way they have to deal with with the other leagues as well with the NFL and with major league baseball but for us you know with the licensees particularly because there's over 80 licensees name that,
0: the biggest ones just so people know who we're talking about
2: some of our biggest licensees are nike adidas outer stuff panini Take-Two Interactive, Electronic Arts, Um, those are just some of the bigger ones that we have. And all of those licensees um, the the existing agreements that they had with the NBA at the time, the NBA was able to confer those group licensing rights to those licensees. Now all of those licenses need to be renegotiated, where we have to be able to offer the group licensing rights, and we be and we're able to dictate the terms that are associated with it. So we had an agreement with the NBA in which things were done by a certain percentage. Now we get to go and really look at what the inherent value of our players is in that equation and make sure we capitalize on that, we, which is something we weren't able to do before.
1: We had a chance to talk with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Mm-hmm. And and I mentioned that the NBA is probably I always say out of the four major food groups in the sports, is probably the best because of the duration of the time. And I always bring this up. You have a product that you can sell in about oh, two to maybe two and a half hours, mm-hmm. and uh, you get that young demographic.
2: Can you talk more about that and what that means for the union involved? Well, I think, you know, and again, the NBA does a fantastic job of, of marketing the game and marketing the product, and they use our players for that as well. And one of the biggest ways they do that is through their partnerships. And when a partner is associated with the NBA and they want to use players, They want to use images of players or footage of players in how they do that marketing. That now has to run through us because we have control of the rights. So that's one of the, I'm not going to call it a seismic change, but that's one of the changes that has to be made moving forward. I think, you know, what Scott alluded to earlier, I think what makes the NBA, even the two hours of the game or the two and a half hours of the game, such an incredible product and such an interesting product, not only for kids, but for teens for young adults even for old adults depending on who the demographic is guys like you yeah, like, that, you that know, would be who,
0: me. the guys like you who watch Havlicek that's for sure. you to say not, to, not, <laughs> not, for, not for me to say they, they don't have the, way, on the ball anymore and by the
2: happened? way I don't, I, I don't have control over the retired players right so anything that's happening with Havlicek right now <laughs> no, that, look, that, that, we
0: get, we try and get this in every just this is an inside joke we try to get this in every show some sort of Detroit reference because you know Bing, loves baby. Detroit guy so if we have to talk Dave Bing let's if it's say John Sally Bill Lambier. that's, that's that's the that's the his guys over there. That's who Joe we're Joe Dumars, talking about.
2: Isaiah yes. Thomas, Vinnie Johnson. I don't want to lie, microwave. Microwave. <laughs> one the microwave. But um but to to the point that we were talking about earlier, I think what makes the NBA such an interesting sport and such a fascinating sport for the public right now, especially kids, is that they our players are followed well after the game and they're followed during the off days and they're followed they're followed during the season uh, during the off season as well and what they do during the summer and and just look at all the workout videos that get shown around during the summer of guys getting together and playing those are opportunities that we're not able that up until now we have not been able to help the players capitalize on and not we have not been able to help bring partners To just expand the vision of that. So the 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 quest for knowledge of our players and what they're doing is never ending. It doesn't just happen during the game, it happens off the court. And now we could finally take advantage of those things.
0: We are chatting with Jordan Schlachter, the president of Think450, the innovation engine of the NBPA. And we joke with Barr, like, you know, the kids like to follow LeBron on the InstaSnap. They like to know what he's doing. Like these guys really are They're global ambassadors, global brands. Global companies, Mm -hmm. which gives you license to take advantage of that audience
2: it absolutely does and the way we think about it though is because we've talked a lot about the game and we've talked about a, a lot about how the influence players have off the court but we really try and bucket that influence in four different ways there's commerce that's certainly and, and we call them the four Cs there's commerce that's certainly very important to us and we're able to commercialize these effects but there's also community and all of these players have such strong strong presences in their community and we need to help exemplify that and help show off that and help them allow that presence to be even greater. Um, There's culture. Our players are cultural icons from what they share on social, from what they wear, from what they listen to, from what they do in the off season, whether they're a lot of our players are soccer fans, and there's a big interest in what's happening at the World Cup this summer. But so they have a tremendous amount of cultural influence. And then there's content. And we want to make sure that we have, you know, that we get that content off the court created for. And we really need to put those four things together to create an offering that is unique, that is individual and that is commercializable you mentioned
0: the World Cup I know that's part of the plan from our previous discussions Mm -hmm. walk us through what the Union will be doing where will you have a presence and who will be partnering with you when you're there around the world
2: we're still trying to finalize those plans I think there's a great amount of interest for our players if possible to go over and see a World Cup game, and that's something we're trying to put together for them. I don't know if we'll be able to do it. There's a lot of concerns that we just want to make sure that we could handle, but we know there's a tremendous amount of interest in it. So whether we do... Look, there's also a tremendous amount of interest in a lot of our players play the FIFA game the FIFA video game, and maybe there's an opportunity for us to create some kind of a gaming tournament around FIFA or around any other e-game sport. We know the NBA is doing a great job with the 2K League right now, and, and, and but so there's that opportunity for us too. But we really, you know, where we take our direction from the players, so the players tell us the things that they want to get involved in, the things that they are interested in, and then we try and see if we can put together those opportunities Who's the best for idea us. man?
0: Who's the best idea man out
2: there? We have so many idea men. Give it, me two it, or three. It, Nobody's going to get offended. We, Give me have, the top two we, or three. Who's so, called,
0: who are you saying stop emailing me?
2: No, you know what? I, I, I'm never saying stop emailing <laughs> me because the feedback that we get from our players is so fantastic. And you know what? The, the, the beauty of the business that we're in right now is that the players have been thinking about this for a while. Okay? And they've had these ideas and they've had these thoughts about this for a while. We've finally given them the forum to be able to do something about it. And this doesn't take away from the activities and the events and the businesses that they have on their own. But now we could do things collectively using the power of the 450 to help just make those things bigger. But there, you know, I, I can't give you the top two players of ideas because every time Michelle or I has the chance to interact with our players, there's ideas flowing all over the place and you know it all starts from the top from our leadership with chris paul but we're forming a players advisory board committee for think 450 to help us make sure that we run through certain ideas and we make sure that we're getting their interest. Because it's not, the final decision doesn't lay with me and my final team, the final decision lays with the players. So we're making sure we have an advisory board, but my phone rings all the time from players. And the the players range, like I said, from the most notable players in the NBA to players who have been veterans for a long time, um, to rookies who have questions, who have ideas, who have thoughts, and it's our job to take those and figure out what's doable.
1: That leads to the next question. How does Think450 impact the G League?
2: It has no impact whatsoever right now on the G League. The G League is not G League players, except for the two-way players. G League players are not union members. So we're really doing everything on behalf of the 450 union members. Which brings... Will that happen one day? Will that go over to the G League? Um, you know what? That's an MBPA question, so you should get Michelle in here and talk to her about it. <laughs> Michelle's but, been here. We didn't ask her that one, yeah, but she's been. But but, but we'll you know, back. that's one of the many questions that comes up on, on, on union business. And again, our job is to support union business in every shape and form because I think the players do see us as a separate entity, but we're still part of the union in that we all represent the same 450 players and have the same 450 interests.
0: Well, what's true in all sports now, it's a global game. It's Ab- a, it's a as Tom Friedman said, it's it's a flat world. So, you chose to partner with Densu. Yes. to help you out. So, this is a Japanese advertising agency and the NBA players, but the agency also has a network of companies around the world. At first seems like disparate parts how do you bring them together? What's the vision? It,
2: it, it's Dentsu is a fantastic company, and they're a Japanese – they're a holding company that holds over 200 different agencies. And those agencies run the gamut from analytics to sales agencies to content creation to branding – um, we see Dentsu as a complement to the business that we're already existing. So, whether it be creating new opportunities, creating new events, to helping us in the sales force, they're a complement to the fantastic team that we've had the opportunity to build over the last year and um, it really is a partnership. It's a mutual partnership and we're very excited about it, but really it's complementary to what we do and we have the full scope of those 200 agencies to be able to figure out the best things for us. And then you also mentioned about the global reach. You know the numbers. 25% of our players are born outside of this country. And growing. And growing. Um, A lot of our, you know, uh, and, and from all over the world, the number of countries is outstanding. It's not just from three places across the world. So their influence, we talk about their cultural influence. We shouldn't be thinking about cultural influence just in the U.S. communities, but the cultural influence that Chris Epps Porzingis has where he's from, and Giannis Antetokounmpo in Greece and, and wherever our player is from. And, and you know one of our top picks this year might be a, a, another foreigner as well. So we need to be able to capitalize on that. And one of the things that Dentsu brings us is a global presence and a global scope in all of those places, culminating, if you, if you want to think a few years ahead, is Dentsu is the sales agency for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. So funny not, how that works out. It's funny how that works out. It's <laughs> I funny think you're going to have a works. presence it, in Tokyo. It, it, it's funny that, how that works out, but we expect to because you know what? Any Olympic games, it's not just the 12 guys who are on USA Basketball that are representing our league when we're there. There's probably 50 guys playing in the Olympics who are NBA players, and we want to be able – we we can capitalize on those opportunities that happen there as well as bringing other players who might not be participating in the Olympics to participate in the Olympic movement or to to participate in the event one way or the other. But that's, you know, that's three years from now. We'll figure that out when we get there. I think there's a lot of work to be done between now and then.
0: We are chatting with Jordan Schlachter, the president of Think450, the innovation engine of the NBPA. How much money are we talking about here? I used to, I laugh when I'd be in locker rooms a while back. Once it was Jerome Williams. He used to play for the Knicks, the Raptors. He once was reaching for a T-shirt or something top of his locker and he pulled something out and he's like, oh, my licensing check. I forgot about this. So it's like twi- <laughs> it was like twice a year. It was a check for like 25000 bucks. But overall, what kind of money are we talking about?
2: It grows every year. And it is it, it, the licensing checks that the players get is, is an addendum at the end of the season because that's when we calculate all the figures. The way that licensing check was calculated before, it was the percentage that we got from the NBA. What our real opportunity now is to still take that and to take our percentage of it, however we negotiate that with the licensees and with the sponsors, but it's really about adding new opportunities that have never been a part of the mix before. So that, you know, the, the, the NBA 2K business grows in double digits every year. So that licensing percentage is going to grow every year. One of the beauties of our league right now is that our players share their licensing royalties equally. Every player gets the same check. Right. The, the guy, end the the guy on if, the bend of the
0: bench versus I- LeBron. If you
2: play a certain amount of games, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's designated for by if you play a certain Can amount of games. Can I jump in? Games. Is
0: there an opportunity with legalized sports betting? Um, so many people are talking about it nowadays. we may we may get that ruling from the Supreme Court. Is there an opportunity there for you guys?
2: Yeah. Right. So yeah. obviously everybody's talking about it. And, and we just you know, we actually just had a forum at our offices that was run by the union and and by our chief international officer with the World Players Association to just have a frank open discussion about this for a long time. Um, I think everybody's learning as much as they can. Obviously, it's been you know with statements that Adams made over a year ago about how he thinks that with the proper regulation, it's a it's a, it's a good idea. Everybody's trying to figure out the right way to do it. I think to ignore a union presence in that equation would be a big mistake. We just have to figure out exactly what that means.
1: Will that mean a piece of the action for the players? I'll answer yes yeah i'll I'll take you off the hook on that one i mean in some way yeah i mean listen it
2: it has to
0: it's the for-profit arm of the mbpa
2: it has to that that's our job my job is to commercialize the marketability of our players in ways that have not been able to have been done before and 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 it just so happens that the timing you know if gambling was legalized 10 years ago, we still wouldn't have had any input into the way to do it because we didn't have those rights to do that. But now, you know, it's a nice confluence of of events happening at the same time, although I don't know exactly when we'll figure out all the gambling pieces. But we'll certainly have an equal voice in the equation and, and equal with the rights that we could provide. And, you know, another thing that we want to offer. Our partners, whether they be licensees, sponsors, content partners, online gambling partners, is that I work for the players. So if you want to use players in new and creative ways, there is no better way to do that than through us, because that's one of the things that we can offer that's never been offered before because we work directly for the players, we speak directly to the players, we work directly with the agents to find out the things that they're interested in and to make sure those things happen. And when you really ask why we are in existence, the, the cu- first couple reasons that I told you why we're in existence is to make sure our players have a voice in the way their their images are being used and to make sure new opportunities are open for us. But it's also for us to be the best partner that we can possibly be and create opportunities to allow the partners who partner with us to enhance their activities and their activations.
1: Have you had other player unions from mm-hmm. other leagues talk to you in other major sports because you guys seem to to have it all together here and there are problems with other major sports. I'm not going to mention the names of the sports, but have you guys had any conversations with
2: them? Yeah, so we talk to our partners at the other unions all the time. Um, you just said thank you very much for saying it. You seem to you say we have it all together here from a union perspective. I think our union and again with Michelle is run impec- impeccably. Um, but we're the new kid on the block for running the business of the union. That means we've been learning a lot from our partners, but we're not copying our partners because, like I said, our players are very different, and the opportunities that we could provide are very different. We've worked with our sister unions, the business units of our sister unions, on certain things. We've actually um, we've worked with the NFLPA on producing some content for us in in, in the past. Uh, the Players Inc. The, the, the marketing arm of the NFLPA, I'm um, producing some content for us in the past. But again, we're learning, we're building on our own. And because we have such a unique offering, um, we certainly are, are willing to share best practices. And, and, and Players Inc., the NFLPA, has been in business for 20 years, and there's a lot to learn from it. But again, I, th- I see the trajectories separating at some point just because the sports are different the players are different, the marketability of the players are different, the influence of the players are different. In different communities, and we just have a different cultural reach. And I think the the beauty is, is all four of the unions, their players have different cultural reaches among different audiences as well.
0: And the the NFLPA has its one team collective, everybody's got their thing. You you are putting together a board of directors, Mm -hmm. as many operations like this do. My old friend, Leo Hendry, Yes Network head, um, I see Raymond McGuire from Citigroup that our listeners will know. Uh, you you're, you're, want to get some different perspectives.
2: Here. Yeah, absolutely. And in addition to Raymond and in addition to, to Leo, we also have Charles King. Who's the founder and CEO of, of Macro Ventures, which is a content company based in Los Angeles? He's a former agent for William Morris Endeavor, and he worked at Viacom and AOL before that. I've heard of those places. You've heard of those places too. <laughs> and, uh, and Lisa Wardell, who's the CEO of AdTelem, which is the leading for profit education company in the country. But prior to that, she worked for Catalyst Ventures and she was also the COO of, of Robert Johnson's businesses when he was the owner of Teams and other businesses as well. So really when we put our board together, we're just, we're looking at our roadmap ahead of us, we're looking at all the areas, the new areas that we want to be in, and we're enlisting the help of experts in those areas to really help us get to the right place. And you talk about Raymond with his banking business, and you said the NFLPA has one team collective. If an investment arm is something we ever want to get into, if we want to explore equity deals with companies too, there's nobody better than Ray to help us out. When you talk about content and creation of content, you have Charles King. When you talk about the distribution of those content of that content, Leo Hendry, is the godfather of what we're doing. And Lisa just brings a wealth of background to everything that we've done so far, and and we lean on them heavily. I mean, this is a board that, that wants to be involved with what we do, that understands our mission, that understands the place that our players have, like I said, in these four C's, and is going to help us get there. They're a tremendous source of support for us.
0: All right, Jordan Schlachter of Think450, the
1: innovation engine of the NBPA. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you Thank so you, much, sir. had a great time. Takeaways this week. I think I'm impressed. Usually we think of any sport like the NBA, the NFL, baseball, I can go on, that they're the product. So you have to have marketing. But I was impressed what Jordan said. As the union, they are now presenting a new product in their capacity.
0: Yeah, I'm struck by the global game that this is not if they go to Tokyo in the Olympics, it's not just about the US players anymore. You have lots of players from all over the world and they attract a lot of attention back home, whether it's Argentina and Ginobili, whether it's Novitski in Germany, whether it's Yao in China. I mean, these guys really are global ambassadors. And with that comes opportunity. And they are embracing that opportunity. And they're listening to the players. The ideas are coming from the ground up. It'll be very interesting to see how this plays out.
1: My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since i was a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports. The number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. Scott, the number... Is 974. And for
0: our regular listeners who know we sometimes discuss the number of the week ahead of time, this is one of those times we have not <laughs> discussed. <laughs> I, I have my mouth agape, perplexed face staring at
1: you, Michael. But 974? And if they could see, my nostrils are flaring. I can't,
0: 974. I, can't it.
1: 974. Uh, I, I I do not know. That's the number of people who attended the Chicago White Sox game a few days oh, ago. Oh, come on. It was freezing cold. Oh, give me, they're in Chicago. Have what? you seen Bears games? What? Yeah,
0: but this is that's football year. That's the whole thing. If I'm going to go sit at a baseball game, and I know there's nothing baseball can do about this, but if I'm going to go sit at a baseball game, I want shades. Sunscreen, (laughs) t-shirt, tank top, whatever it may be. I don't want jacket. I don't want umbrella. I don't want any of that. If I'm sitting there to enjoy my
1: baseball game, nine hundred seventy-four. I'm sorry. No. If you're supposed to be a fan of the White Sox and you don't. Now they said that about ten thousand people paid for tickets. What are baseball
0: players called? The boys of finish the sentence.
3: I know of summer. Yeah, I get it.
1: But, it, look, the stadium can hold over 40,000 people. That just shows me that the folks of
0: Chicago are bright. No. <laughs> Coach, it's a crazy cold. Is that, were the Cubs in town that day, too? Didn't they cancel the game? Was that they canceled thing? the Cubs. Yeah, so there you go. The Cubs canceled. The White Sox chose to play the game for whatever reason. Of course they only got 900 people.
1: 974. 974.
0: They should get free tickets to another game, by the yeah, way. I, I was my
1: father would say, you're going to make me lose my mind up in here (laughs) knee jerk you've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports we are here each and every week at the same time exploring the world of money and sports I'm Michael Barr
0: and I'm Scott Soschnick thanks for joining us please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry
1: you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes